Hello, this is Richard Russell, and welcome to Creativity and Composition. First off, I hope your new year is getting off to a terrific start. January is a very busy month for your friendly creativity and composition narrator, that's me. And so I apologize, I've left you guys waiting for, I think probably now about two weeks, uh, for an update. I've got two brief things to talk about today, so this will probably be a short podcast, just a quick update for you. First off, in one of my podcasts uh, recently, I talked about the issue of copyright and how it holds us back from much of our art. Much to my surprise, I saw a very similar theme in a recent NPR article I found on the internet. This is written by Joel Rose of NPR, and the article is called Copyright Laws Severely Limit Availability of Music. This was published uh, on NPR's show All Things Considered on January 9th. It sort of amplifies the point I made in my first prior podcast, although with a bit of a different angle. My point of view was that it is very difficult to go into most record stores or sheet music stores and find much offered in the way of new composers. Specifically, I was talking about John Carigliano's opera The Ghost of Versailles, and the difficulty I had in finding a copy of it A listener out there sent me a link to an online store that sold a CD of excerpts from the opera, but my point is still the same. How can I get a copy of the score? Why is it I can find DVDs of Mozart's Magic Flute, a whole lot of them, but not one of the Metropolitan Opera's production that was broadcast on PBS many years ago of the Carigliano Opera? So this NPR article quotes Sam Brilowski, an archivist at UC Santa Barbara, who says, quote, The recording industry is a business, and their business is to sell records. They have no responsibility to keep records in print. So recordings fall out of print, and they stay out of print. End quote. Sam Berlowski used to be the head of the Recorded Sound Division at the Library of Congress, and it says here that they did a study where 84% of recordings from before 1965 cannot be reissued without permission from the copyright holder, which is usually the original record label. You know, years ago, I took a one-day seminar in protecting your intellectual property. The seminar was offered by a New York City lawyer, and almost everyone in the class was very worried about their creative output being stolen or somebody else making money from their work without the author being paid. The lawyer was a little exasperated eventually, and said that if people are after you because of your creative work, if they want your material, that is a good problem to have. This is something you can work with. People don't want to rip you off as much as they want to partner with you. So again, where does this leave us? In short, I think our priority is to get our work out there and heard by as many people as possible. Classical music has very few superstars who make the big bucks. Even the most successful composers are not super wealthy after all. And I think it's harmful to our careers and to our art to keep music locked up. Get it out there. Okay, next topic. I got an email from Jacob, thank you Jacob, putting forth his idea for a sixth element of music. You recall Aaron Copland's original four elements of music and my discussion about what should be the fifth element of music. 
So now I get a suggestion here for a sixth element, and you know, I'm a little hesitant. I mean, we can go on and on suggesting more and more elements of music, you know? We can say G sharp is the 127th element of music, and that that pitch between G sharp and A, well, you know, that's, that's element number 128. I mean, we can have as many elements of music as there are numbers if we really want to get into it. And think about electronic music where you have voltage control and all sorts of things. Uh, but Jacob's suggestion was really a good one. It got me thinking. He proposed that emotion ought to be counted as an element of music. Well, let's think about that. Isn't that kind of obvious? Emotion? And I kept thinking about it over and over again. I'm trying to imagine, is there any music out there without emotion in it? I was thinking about this very hard. One thing I wondered is, do we as composers set out to write with emotion in mind? I know I do. As I start composing my pieces, I want there to be some emotion there as the germ or the kernel of what I'm setting out to do. Now, I sometimes wonder if composers out there set out to write music not because of the emotion they feel in their heart, but because of the emotion they want to evoke in their audience. If you wanted to set out to write music that made your audience angry or sad or romantic, you know, if you want to evoke some response in your audience, it is quite possible to do that. But I think there's a difference here between writing music from your heart and trying to evoke an emotion or even provoke your audience. It's a little manipulative, isn't it? But is that okay in music? I think it's a little bit problematic when a composer or an artist or a filmmaker tries to manipulate an audience. Audiences might fall for it for a while, but audiences are smart. They'll catch on if you concentrate on manipulating them, and eventually they'll move on. Now, without a doubt, some of the most successful composers of all time, financially speaking, have been composers who are good at pulling your heartstrings. Generally, I think of the world of pop music here, and maybe some uh, musical theater composers too. I won't mention any names. Well, what's wrong with this exactly? To reach a broad audience and manipulate as many people as possible, a composer has to resort to some of the lowest common denominators, a shorthand, a shorthand way of communicating for music. Something of the unique, let's call it, gets lost. Any chance of quirkiness or originality has to fall by the wayside. How to avoid this? Find yourself first and put that on the page. Be in touch with your own sense of emotion. What is your emotional core? Where are you coming from? That will give your music a genuine chance of cutting through. A very wise teacher by the name of Aaron Frankel once taught me this. Sentiment is a feeling. Sentimental is a feeling about a feeling. That's kind of tricky to think about. Sentiment is a feeling. Sentimental is a feeling about a feeling. It's okay to write your sentiments. In fact, it is encouraged, but be careful to be in touch with it directly and not vicariously. Write your sentiments, but don't be sentimental. So, thanks, Jacob. I think we better stop numbering all the various possible elements of music. That's a parlor game that could go on for a very, very long time. But I thank him for his thoughts. It really prompted some thinking of my own. Got any thoughts you would like to share? Send me an email. Go to my website, www.rdrussell.com. That's R-D-R-U-S-S-E-L-L.com. And have a look at some of my musical examples, news, etc. And drop me an email. Until next time, this is Richard Russell with Creativity and Composition saying, keep creating.